Welcome to Pastor Matters, the podcast of the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We hope this conversation will both equip and encourage you to lead healthy churches that make disciples for the glory of God. Hey, I'm Brandon Ward. And I'm Ron Joy Locke. We want to welcome you to another episode of the Pastor Matters podcast. Uh, so today, Ron Joy, I want to talk to you about pastors and race. Uh, but before we do, I, I want to encourage you, our listeners, uh, to watch a recent Q&A panel uh, that we did a few months ago titled, How to Shepherd Your Church Through Issues of Racial Injustice. Uh, you can find this panel on our website at pastorscenter.org under the Resources and Media tabs. Uh, and the reason why I'm referring you to this video is because uh, today's discussion is is really an extension of that conversation. Uh, the past few months have caused a lot of discussion and, and quite honestly, uh, a lot of division. Uh, the deaths of George Floyd, Ahmaud Aubrey, Breonna Taylor, uh, and countless others have caused protests and calls for reform across the country, uh, some still taking place even today. Uh, so brother, uh, for those who don't know, uh, you were a pastor in Baltimore in 2015 uh, when there were organized protests and, and even riots uh, going on in response to the, the death of Eddie Gray. And uh, so over the past few months, we've seen similar protests uh, and riots in cities all across the country, mm-hmm. big cities to, to small towns. Uh, how should the church and pastors respond to these protests specifically? Uh, because I don't know about you, but over the past few months, I've seen a lot of different responses mm-hmm. from churches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the difference, if I could, let me let me kind of distinguish it a little bit, between churches that are in similar communities, similar areas, whether it be you know, inner city, you know, and so forth, and churches that may not be in inner city areas, rural uh, areas, for instance, uh, uh, maybe even suburban areas mm-hmm. and so forth. Uh, because the the proximity that you have to the um, the situations or similar uh, situations, similar context, will affect the way that you respond. Uh, if you are in the inner city, uh, you know there you may have some issues that you've got to deal with as a pastor. You know that you won't have to deal with if you are say in rural areas. If you're in an area that's more densely uh, populated, densely diverse. Uh, you're going to address this in a different area or in a different way than you would for uh, uh, if you were pastoring in a church that was uh, m- uh, more mono ethnic, if you will, yeah. uh, predominantly white, you know, or so forth. Uh, so, so that's uh, your context is going to affect the way that you respond. But I was pastoring in Baltimore uh, during the Freddie Gray uh, riots. Um, he was a, a, a resident of Baltimore, and it was ugly. Uh, it, it was it was a it was a mess. Uh, one of the things that I thought of as a pastor was that if I'm going to shepherd this flock, uh, we have to be faithful to obey Jesus mm. and to be ambassadors, representatives of Christ in our community. None of that changes, you know, with the with the changing of the tide, the changing of the of the climate in the culture. Uh, it, that stays the same, uh, but there may be certain aspects 
of our witness that may need to go to the fore. May we need to uh, you know take this out off the back burner, if you will, and push it uh, up to the fore. And one of the things that we thought about was, you know, if we're going to be a church that cares about the gospel and cares about our community, then we've got to speak the truth about what's going on. Yeah, uh, we've got to speak the truth about racial injustice. We've got to speak the truth about uh, discrimination and so forth. We've got to speak the truth about the history of our country, uh, even in Baltimore, the history of the community there, because there's been a lot of segregation and a lot of racism and so on that's been uh, kind of baked into the culture uh, there uh, in in such a wonderful city like Baltimore. Um, you've got all these different things that we've got to deal with, and we've got to tell the truth. You know, and and telling the truth isn't just raising awareness of the uh, uh, to the injustices. But telling the truth is also pointing people to the one who is the solution, the, uh, the, our Christ, our Savior, uh, who has promised to make all things new. And so we said we were going to we're going to uh, be faithful in that. But we're not only going to be faithful in that; we also have to be faithful in uh, in extending the love of Christ. And so uh, we made a push, you know, to say in our community, "Hey, you matter to God." Um, as, as there are all these fights over, you know, black lives matter, blue lives matter, all lives matter, you know, so on. We wanted to make sure everybody understood you matter uh, to God. Wow. And so you had some folks there that uh, had never heard that before. Uh, we realized that that was um, that was both a, a racial message, you know, to say uh, to folks across different ethnic lines and so on. Hey, you know, you know, whatever your color, whatever your past, whatever your situation, you matter to our Lord. And and uh, and some people hadn't heard that before. Uh, it, it was it was kind of the great um, equalizer, if you will, to be able to say, hey, you know, we have our differences culturally and so on. Uh, but our Lord uh, is is the savior of all. And uh, and if you come to faith in him, you will be uh, radically transformed. Uh, one one last thing about our church. We 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 really wanted to make a point in our church that this was a place where it doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what you know skin color you have or anything like that. Um, kind of borrowing from the old uh, Olive Garden slogan, when you're here, you're family. <laughs> you know, when you're here, you're family. And uh, and Shameless we want... Plug. There we go. And uh, <laughs> we didn't have unlimited breadsticks, unfortunately, but uh, uh, but we did have the Lord's Supper, and that that's that's and it counts. You know, even better. So, um, but no, we 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 said when you're here, you're family, and so uh, we really wanted to double down on that as well for our uh, members. We were a, a pretty diverse congregation, um, and we wanted the folks there to know whatever is going on in our community. Uh, we we live under the rule of Christ, you know, under this roof. And uh, Christ rules this home, this family. And so how do we love one another and care for one another? And uh, as brothers and sisters, whether Jew or Gentile or whatever, how do we love one another in a way that will honor Christ? And may that be, along with our, our verbal witness, may that be our public witness to the community as well. Wow. Gospel is still the answer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so let's shift to social media, which is yours and my favorite topic. Mm -hmm. A lot of criticism falls on pastors uh, who both speak out against injustice, specifically racial injustice, uh, but there's also criticism that falls on them when they don't speak out. Mm -hmm. uh, they either inherit the label of being woke or out of step with reality slash part of the problem. Mm -hmm. uh, so thinking specifically about social media and the platform of a pastor, uh, should the platform be used as a way to respond against injustice of all kinds, uh, and is there a responsibility for the pastor to use his platform 
uh, with social media to speak out against these things? Yeah, I don't think that there's a hard um, answer to that, you know, uh, you know, kind of a black and white answer to that. I think it really depends on the pastor. I think it depends on his ministry. I think it depends on uh, how the Lord is leading him. Uh, but I do want to say this. Uh, if you are a shepherd of God's flock and you have an issue like this going on in your community, going on in society or so on, uh, you need to say something. Mm. You need to do something. I kind of push back a little bit on on folks that will say, if you don't say something on social media, uh, you know, then you're silent. And if you're silent, then you're complicit. Uh there are so many other ways to communicate than with a tweet. Yeah, good point. Um, <laughs> uh, and, hey, if you want to use that, if you want to use Twitter as your platform, that's wonderful. But if somebody doesn't use Twitter, don't assume they're not saying anything. Yeah. Uh, they may be uh, talking uh, more locally, talking to their neighbors, talking to law enforcement, talking to, you know, uh, uh, their their city council, you know, or so on. Uh, just because they didn't make it known to the masses on Twitter doesn't mean that, it's, that it didn't happen. Uh, so we need to take a grain of salt, I think, with social media uh, uh, to, to make sure that we're not uh, bearing false witness, if you will, about a person uh, uh, just simply because they didn't publicize it on that particular platform. Uh, there are many friends of mine uh, that I've spoken with. I haven't said a, a lot on on uh, uh, social media or, or anything on uh, on this matter. Uh, just a few things here or there. Much more of the conversations that I've had have been with friends yeah. and been with family members and church members and uh, uh, students. You know that I've that I've talked to. We've gone out for coffee, or you know I've, they've uh, come over to the house, or we've talked you know on campus and and so on. Uh, those conversations have been very fruitful. There have been folks that have come over, and even other churches that have come and asked and said, "We we're trying to understand all of this, but we don't quite know how to do that. We don't know what's involved. What are what are the issues? What are the dynamics, and so on." Um, that conversation is not being had over social media. That conversation is being had in person or over the phone, you know, or things like that. So, uh, you know, you may say, hey, you know, I want to use Facebook. I want to use Instagram. I want to use all these places, you know, and just kind of go on a full uh, a full court press. Or you could say, hey, I want to be more local. I want to be more personal. I want to be more one on one, you know, and talk with the folks that are in my community and things like that. But whatever you do, say something, do something uh, because we represent Christ. Yeah. It's important to remember that uh, just because you use social media in whatever way, whether that be uh, speaking out against issues, that's not how everybody else processes and, mm-hmm. and, and speaks out against these things. That's a great rule. Yeah. Uh, which kind of goes on to uh, my next question. What are some ways that pastors can become more aware of the issues facing minorities within their church? I think you and I have had this conversation where I didn't know about the talk mm-hmm. that many African-American fathers have with their kids about police. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I'm, I'm sure that there are many pastors who are unaware of that and many other issues that they face. So what are some ways that they can be proactive in learning? Yeah. Uh, for starters, listen. Hmm. Listen. Find good, godly brothers and sisters who are open and willing to share their stories and share their experiences. Don't be so quick to excuse them away. Uh, Just because you don't understand 
why they went through the things that they went through. Doesn't mean they didn't go through them. Yeah. Uh, they went through them. Uh, I, I had the opportunity um, just recently to uh, to share some of those experiences with my own uh, local church. Uh, uh, we go to a church right around the corner from the seminary, and uh, the pastor asked me if I could uh, just share some stories, you know, about what what I've gone through growing up, and 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 I did. I I, I went through you know just a little catalog. It wasn't a wasn't all of the things that I've experienced, but just a handful of things that I had experienced over the years, and. And it was interesting how many people had come over and were were very gracious and 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 said, you know, we just didn't know, yeah. we just had no idea um, that that these things are happening. There were some uh, things that I had mentioned that happened this calendar year, twenty twenty. You know, they said, or I told them, you know, these things happen in just different places where I've gone to preach or uh, uh, different conversations that I've had with uh, with pastors. And these are the things that I've experienced. These are the things that have come. You know, these are the responses that I've received and so on. And you had folks at our church that heard that and they said, I, I thought that that was something that had happened in the past. Yeah. I didn't realize that that kind of response, that kind of behavior was still around today. So it took someone being willing to share and it took them being willing to listen and to hear. Uh, now, granted, there were some others who gave us totally different responses yeah. and we still had to work with that and so forth. But but at least be willing to listen, you know, be willing to listen and and recognize that there are many, many people in our country whose experiences are not the same as what you had growing up. Uh, where we were in Baltimore, there was, uh, you know, it, it was kind of a love-hate relationship with the police. Uh, I know for my wife, you know, for her growing up, uh, she lived in Pennsylvania, and the little town that she lived in, Pencil- uh, she lived in in Pennsylvania, she got pulled over as a teenager because she had a, a tail light out. And she pulled over. The cop came up to her and and come to find out he was a friend of her dad's. And so they're having this conversation and 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 everything. It was, you know, it was harmless. It was painless. You know, Uh, that's not typically how it is in many of our cities, including, you know, Baltimore, where where I serve. Uh, There are times where we uh, personally as a family called 911 and nobody showed up. No one wow. came. There was one time where I was out of town, and uh, somebody came over to our door, and there was a, a guy that was trying to come in. Uh, you know, he didn't know that I wasn't home, but uh, Annie and the kids were home. She called nine one one. I told her, you know, we were actually on the phone when he started knocking, and I told her hang up and call nine one one. She hung up. She called nine one one. I'm out of town. About fifteen minutes later, I called to see what you know is everything okay. And she didn't pick up, which is not the response that you want when you're out of town, you know, with your family, you know, uh, at home. And so I called a guy at our church. He was one of our elders, a former uh, policeman, retired uh, Baltimore City Police, asked him to come over. He came over. Everything was fine. You know, they actually wound up staying at his uh, his and his wife's house uh, for uh, for the night just to get out of the area. Um, But she was there. The reason that she didn't pick up was that she was on the phone with the operator and the operator had told her not to hang up until the until a policeman came. A policeman never came. Yeah. There was no follow up. There was there was nothing. Nothing happened. Um, That left a very big impression on us, you know, about uh, the, the 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 experiences that different people uh, have 
in different places. I never had anything like that before in my upbringing. I didn't live in the city. Uh, Annie didn't have any experience like that. She had never lived in the city. But once we were in the city and we saw that this was kind of the th- some of the kinds of things that were going on, you know, when you're in need, you call the police and, and nobody showed up. But we had prostitutes walking up and down our street all the time and nobody you know, was getting arrested or, or anything. And you're going, OK, well, what what's the purpose here? What's going on here? Uh, you know, is there justice here? You know, uh, and things like that. There are a lot of pastors that just don't realize that those are the types of things that image bearers are experiencing uh, in communities different from them. So listen to those things and uh, and 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 get a bigger view of what what's going on in our world. Wow. Yeah, that's that's very helpful. And um, which brings me to the last question. I want to make sure we have enough time to discuss this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've heard uh, recently of churches. Deciding to leave the Southern Baptist Convention. Mm, uh, some yeah. of these churches have cited uh, the history of the SBC on race as one of the reasons why they have decided to, uh, decided to part ways. What would you say to the pastor who's listening to this podcast right now, who is struggling with this decision? The pastor who feels like they might need to leave because uh, it's the the convention is not doing enough to help them. Mm. Or what would you say to the pastor who? who wants to stay, uh, but is just discouraged by where things are at. What would you say to them? Yeah, yeah. For the first one, uh, the one who sees the convention and is discouraged and says, you're not doing enough, I'm out of here. Uh, First off, I want to say something to our Southern Baptist pastors, and then I want to talk to that guy. For our Southern Baptist pastors, first off, recognize stepping out of the convention is not stepping out of the church. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the Southern Baptist Convention is not the totality of uh, of Christ's church. It's okay, you know, if he wants to make partnerships with other churches and so on. It's okay if if our different churches, you know, that 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 say, you know, it we we are better served if we partner, you know, in another way, or this may be, you know, may say you know, something different in our, in our community, you know, to our neighbors and things like that. Okay. That's, that's fine. You know, uh, God bless you. And, and I, and, and I hope that we can still do some things together. We can still partner together and we can still work together for, uh, for the glory of, of Christ. You know, that's, that's not, it's not as big of a deal as it feels. Okay. So that's the first thing kind of to the, to different churches. You can still partner yeah. with folks. The There's denominational lines are not the starting and the ending points of partnerships. Exactly. Exactly. And for those who would wonder, you know, is there a kind of a biblical precedent to that? Well, sure there is. Uh, you can go to third John, uh, where in third John, you had these folks who were, uh, they were serving the Lord. They were going and, and asking for, uh, support and, and things like that. And, and they weren't a part of the same group they weren't a part of the same the same tribe if you will uh, but John commended uh, the the folks there in third John because they looked and they said you know what these folks are are going out for the sake of the name and so we need to support people like them because uh, we want to be fellow
fellow workers for the truth. And so there, there is this kind of outside of the group, outside of the tribe, you know, uh, 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 you know, partnering that can go on there. And of course, you got First Corinthians and so on. You know, I am of Paul. I'm of Apollos. I'm of Cephas, and so on. And he says, guys, we're preaching Christ. You know, we're all servants of Christ. He says in chapter three, chapter four. And so, uh, and so, it's okay <laughs> if someone doesn't want to wear the same jersey. You know, <laughs> and, and and all of that. We're on the same team, nevertheless, uh, because we serve our Lord Christ. So, so that's the first thing. To the pastor who is uh, taking a step away, I would say, uh, you know, first off, my heart breaks. Uh, my heart breaks that uh, that the state of our convention isn't better. Uh, I think it should be better. I think that we should be doing more. Uh, especially for us who have spoken for so many years about having a missions mindset and being about the Great Commission and so on. It, it, it hurts my heart that we who, who take the Great Commission so highly, which at its core is making disciples of all nations, all peoples, all ethne, you know, uh, panta ta ethne. If that's our pulse, then how on earth could we miss the people across the street from us? Uh, or on the other side of the tracks, that it shouldn't be that way. So I grieve uh, that 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 is uh, the assessment of our conven- of our convention. I think it says to us that we need to be better. Uh, for the one who who is sticking it out and staying in and 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 so on, I, w- I just want to say for that person, it's worth it. Uh, it's not pretty. You know, it's not glamorous. You're going to you're going to get all kinds of junk <laughs> headed your way. People are going to say the nastiest things uh, and and so on. And and I look at the New Testament and I see that that's par for the course. Uh, if you read Second Corinthians, if you read what our Lord said in the Sermon on the Mount, you know, blessed are you when others revile you and and uh, persecute you and utter all kinds of, of evil against you falsely on my account. Hey, this is par for the course. If anyone wants to come after our Lord, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow him. And so I believe that this is a cross that is worth bearing. Uh, someone needs to stay and be the voice in the convention to say, this is the way that Christ church uh, is supposed to look. Uh, it's supposed to be, you know, as we used to sing when we were little kids, red and yellow, black and white, all are precious in his sight. That That's not... That's not a, a little children's, you know, uh, a fairy tale or something like that. That's the very heart and soul of this mission, that, that all peoples would gather together and worship Jesus Christ. And so if that's the case for the church at large, and if that's the way that we're going to look you know, at the return of Christ, as Revelation makes very clear, uh, then that should be our aim and our goal uh, right now, you know, wherever we are. So uh, so I would say for that person who, who sees it and is discouraged, hey, don't be weary. Keep going. You know, keep loving across uh, barriers, loving across lines. Uh, keep showing forth the love of Jesus Christ. Not everybody's going to get it. Not everybody's going to follow suit. But, but if there were but, were but a remnant of people, you know, that said, I get it, and this is beautiful. Christ be praised in all things. Uh, hey, you know, it's worth, it's worth even one person getting a picture of how beautiful the kingdom is going to be at the end. So keep pressing on. Uh, it's worth the struggle. What a great word of encouragement, brother. Uh, thank you again for your wisdom and insight on this topic. This, this is a conversation that doesn't end after a single podcast episode. 
It doesn't end after a Q&A panel, and it certainly doesn't end after a single tweet. This is a conversation that we are going to continue to have uh, because it's an important conversation. Uh, and we hope this talk has been beneficial to you. Uh, it is our mission to equip and encourage you, the pastor, and so we hope we've done that today. Uh, thanks again for listening. And as always, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. 